So how do you achieve financial freedom, gain wealth, and live life on your terms? That is the question, and here is the answer. I'm A.G. Osborne. Welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. All right, welcome to Cash Flow to Freedom. We have a really fun podcast. Most of our podcasts have been traditionally about investing and a lot of the different aspects of that. But today, we're going to go pretty entry-level but we really want to hit on entrepreneurship. And I think that this is a really good podcast because to me, financial freedom, entrepreneurship, investing, those things are all hand, hand in hand. Because I, I don't know about you, Rock, but I believe if you understand entrepreneurship, you fundamentally understand investing. They just kind of go hand in hand because you're talking about deploying value and creating structures for capital flow. And once you get into that and understand that, yeah, I guess that kind of spur, spurs opportunities and you see more than you do before. Yeah, no, and I think uh, really the big businesses out there and the ones that most people want to aspire to get to, they, they are, their business is investing. Yeah, perfect example is Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. You know, Warren, people say, oh, Warren Buffett, you know, got rich by investing in stocks. He, he didn't. Warren Buffett actually started out with a hedge fund and his, he was in the business of managing money. And so he didn't just pick stocks. He actually owns the company. The revenues generated from those companies, he redeploys back in. It's a, it's a, it's an actual running business. Yeah, and I think it'd be uh, good to give people insight into how they could start their own business, as that kind of is the fuel to to uh, bring in the funds that you need to invest and keep growing. That's kind of like pouring gas on a fire. Exactly. And, you know, it's interesting because me and you had both very different starts into the entrepreneurship role and moving into that. Mine, I guess you could say, was probably a little longer tailed out. I went to college. I was always entrepreneurial, even in college and after that. But I, I went into heavy learning a trade. I went into the insurance industry, started out working with Aflac, everybody knows the duck. And then I was working for a brokerage firm over in a small town in eastern Idaho. And then from there, I went and started working with my dad, which is on the other side of the state, selling insurance and really learning a trade that I could use and start up other companies, things like that. Whereas you didn't take that route, which I think my route is more the typical route. And in fact, I think my route's the safer route to learn a trade than you just go do it because you already know how, right? But you went a different way where you went straight into like, I'm going to start a business. Yeah. And I think you have these false beliefs about how it is. Like, I think I was kind of roped into how it's easy and it's fast and you can do it quick. That didn't like, that's, a, that's appealing to me, but it, it wasn't like a deterrent. Like I, I wanted the end goal. I didn't really care the path to get there. But yeah, I started a e-commerce business and we've grown that over the past five years and, and it's doing really well. And yeah, I started it at, when I was like 19. So I dropped out of school, started the business, didn't really get traction for like a solid two years and then started to gain traction, went back to school and now here we are. Yeah. And I'm not obviously out of school now and yeah business is going you know it's interesting where you look at the two paths and i i think first of all if you're starting out in entrepreneurship and you want to learn how to build a multi-million dollar business and you really want to control the outcome of your life financial freedom all those kind of stuff 
I think it's important to understand the landscape of entrepreneurship, especially today, because I do believe you stated there's a lot of false beliefs. And I, I could not agree, obviously, with that more, where a lot of people assume that entrepreneurship is like social media, I, I guess. It's if you say that you are, and if you are engaging in some simple activities or something that it all of a sudden means you're an entrepreneur and you're a business runner or you run businesses. And I think if you're looking at getting into entrepreneurship, you need to do it for the right reasons. And I think too, you, you, you need to understand what you're getting into. There is no shortcut. You need to be able to create true value that you can deploy into the market. And then you got to figure out a way to deploy it. Neither one of those things are easy. And neither one of those things really you can do for the most part quick. Yeah, there's always the shooting star, right? You you hear a story because you're reading it on a blog, but those are exceptions to the rule. Yeah. I yeah. think that if you're the internet, I think has made it easier in some aspects, but in other aspects too, it's also made it harder. And I think those barriers of entry are becoming harder because people are following traditional models that may not work. Yeah, I think the internet's changed a lot because most people like anyone listening right now can go and start making money online. Like you, you don't have to start with a business, but maybe you start by going to like thrift stores and finding cheap one to $10 products and s flipping them on eBay. And you can start with that. And then you realize that there's a niche in a certain type of apparel. Like a lot of people can flip like vintage apparel or stuff like that. And then you might start your own apparel website specializing in this vintage type of apparel and you start making it and sourcing it rather than looking for one-off deals and then you kind of figure out how to run ads and you kind of teach yourself how to build an e-commerce brand and it's that that aspect is easier for everybody but it's also like you're like you said barriers to entry i i don't think they're as high as the as most people think they are i mean that the barrier to entry is knowledge mm -hmm. but then the barrier to entry is only knowledge because anyone yeah. can go set up a website today with Shopify yeah. and get 14 free days. And I think a lot of people, I mean, their, their mindsets are their, their own barrier because the reality is anyone can do it. It's not, yeah. it's, there's not really much complication to it. I mean, not only do you, you don't even have to set up a website. I mean, really, you could piggyback off of other websites. You can yeah. go to Craigslist. It's right? true. You yeah. can go to Amazon. You can dropship, yeah. You can, you, there's... You don't even technically need a website to start up a business in today's age. Now, I, I think, though, you know, when you're, you're planning on it, w one of the important things, I think, when you're getting into entrepreneurship is having a clear vision of what you want to do. I think people that aren't passionate in whatever they're going to do, they, they fall out quickly. They just quit. It just ends, ends really fast because they're actually kind of going after the buck, yeah. right? That's why I think with people that learn a trade – they tend to be more successful because they're doing something they already understand and know. So they already know what the goal is, right? Yeah. So if you work at a car lot or uh, if you work at a place that turns around cars, I know nothing about cars, work on engines and change oil, everything else like that, right? Yeah. And then you want to go buy a franchise, you already understand before you've done that, right, the outcome. Now, you may have different constraints like capital, right? Or you may other have other problems like how do I repeat a certain outcome? But you know the outcome. Now, if you're in a position where you don't know what the outcome is going to be, right? You don't have a trade. 
uh, but you're, you know that you want to be an entrepreneur. How do you think people should start? Where, like, where should they start looking? In terms of getting started in general? In general. I, I think a lot of people, and you've probably felt this way. I know that I felt this way. A lot of times you want to get started. You want to do something, but you don't know what that thing is. Hmm. I think you first need to do a bunch of things to figure out what you like. Everything I do is stuff that I enjoy doing. And I think a lot of people are trying, they want to force it. So it feels like work. But when I, when, when you work, I know when you work and when I work, it doesn't feel like work. It just, it's your life. Yeah. And I think once you've experienced enough things, you can kind of start to sort out and say, I really like, I don't know, fly fishing or whatever your hobby is or whatever, even if it is your work, then you can start to create an idea. Like, and I always think about physical products, but it doesn't, obviously it doesn't have to be, but you can start to cr- create an idea or a spinoff of a need. Cause I think you can only think about like a business or like getting started in entrepreneurship is only about fulfilling a need in a mar- in a market. Like that's the, o- the only reason that somebody would be giving you money is if they feel like they need something from you or they want something from you. And if you can create that for them, obviously you, you have a business, you have an idea there. It's a, it's a, it's the beginning of something. And I think when you get into a hobby and you start to get into an industry and as you get more and more into it, you can gain insight into gaps and then you can start to fill those gaps with your idea. And like, that's, that's like an overhead view. Obviously you need to be reading a lot of books and like, I'd probably be reaching out to people who are industry leaders and trying to like meet up with them and see what they're doing, picking their brain and just reading a lot of internet forums and and learning as much as you can. And a lot of it's going to be a mixture of action and information. I like that idea of filling in gaps. And and I really do believe it comes down to two simple things. You're either, you're either fixing a model, right? So you say, you're doing this, but I could do this way better if I added some advent to that service or product and people want that. So you're enhancing an already existing model or you're actually filling in that gap, right? And two, you know, a lot of people talk about like blue oceans, things like that. If you're that big of an idea, right? You're like, I'm going to come and change the way people consume whatever it is. That's, that's a whole nother topic. That is just something totally different, but filling gaps is recognizing the, recognizing those needs. And those can be small needs. Think about like payment processors, right? I mean, PayPal, different things like that, where it was just the simple need. Mm-hmm. You need to figure out a different way to reroute something, yep. right? But those needs were real needs. And I think that's something a lot of people have a hard time distinguishing is a real need versus a want. I think people will all want this, or I think people need this, because, and, but really what they're saying is I want to sell this yeah. and I want my business to work so bad. Everyone is going to love it because I love it. And I see a lot of people fail like with, with that type of ideology and it's, it's because they they're tied to the idea of being right versus being rich, I guess you could say. Yeah. Because they they think that the idea is the way. But like even the way if you think back, I bet you the way you thought you would become successful is not how you actually became successful, right? Not not even remotely. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. And I think uh, most people because when you're creating your idea of how you're going to get wealthy or rich or whatever you want to get to, you don't know enough to actually understand what it takes to get there. And when you when you start to work down that path, you just get kicked right off your road. 
because that's not the right way because you don't understand what you're doing. But as you learn and do more and as you just start to figure it out, you kind of build your own path out and, and figure it out. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> when you first kind of start when you're stumbling around, it's almost like walking through fog. Yeah. You can see 10 feet in front of you and that's it. Yeah, you and know so a all couple of a sudden, actions, but you can't really. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can't really see the whole picture. And it isn't until you start that motion, start going. And you have to be ready to give up on your idea. I, I just, I can't express that enough. This idea of this pride where my idea is amazing and it's going to change the world, everything like that. It's, that is so romanticized. Yeah. That's I, so. I like, I get your point, but I didn't give up on my idea. Well, yeah, but I, your idea, though, too. I okay. You may not have given up on your idea, I but you gave up on the path, the model. Yeah. Yes. So I changed the model of how I was doing something, and it worked. But I, but yeah, two years I didn't work, so I probably could have learned quicker. If you if we could talk about feedback loops, but whenever people say give up on your idea, I'm like, ah, figure out why your idea is not working. Give up if, on the idea, not the goal. Yeah. Yeah. You don't ever give up on a goal. Right. But I think too many people are like, I want to sell blue dresses when everybody wants red dresses. Right. If your goal is to supply the market or have a business, things like that, it's not what you want. It's not your dream that matters as much as it is other people's dreams. Yep. It's what they want, right? So you had a goal, but you had to change the way not only you went about it, but also, too, you had to change completely what you gave people because what you started giving Nobody really wanted. Yeah, I did the, the the everybody's beginner mistake, and if you're in a if you're in high school, you probably start know somebody, or you did start a clothing company, and that's exactly what I was trying to do, I, but without zero knowledge of, like I said, the industry or anything. I had no talent or anything in it, but then I pivoted to something that I did know, and that's that's how I made it work. And yeah, if you ninety nine percent of the time, I would assume that most clothing companies don't work, because oh, yeah. unless you're in the industry and you know. Like there's a the Live Fit Apparel Randall Pitch. He's got a he's got a huge clothing line, and but he but he he talks about how he used to work for a clothing store, and he mm -hmm. would do the inventory and all that stuff. And I remember listening to him talk about it, and I was like, man, people look. It looks like he just had his first success with the clothing brand, but underneath it, he knew the industry. He was doing it for three five years, and he's been designing for years. It's like you can't just jump in and be where he was at. He'd been l building his craft whereas i just needed to pivot and most people either need to pivot or find a business model that's working and not copy it but mold it to what fits that person absolutely and i just i think everyone must do this i did it i don't know any successful people that haven't done this in some way shape or form you, you got to find somebody to help you you got to find a mentor you got to find you know, those people that understand trades that have been built up, those are the people that allow you and tell you, listen, it's like we use this analogy of the fog. A mentor is like having someone hold a light 10 feet out so you get to see another 20 feet that you could have never seen by yourself. And that can save you just so much time and energy and give you a massive leap on the competition because, like, for me, you know, my mentor was teaching me things that nobody was learning at my age. And I was learning skills that there, what I was learning, there's no education. You couldn't, you couldn't go to college to learn about group health benefits and how to manage those and work with carriers and work with CFOs and HRs and design a good benefit package. Things like that. that doesn't exist, right? Unless I was taught that by an individual, 
I could have never learned that trade. And uh, I think that's how it is, though, almost with everything. Like, you know, this idea of I'm going to do it on my own to me is an idea of failure. It's a way that you're going to fail. I think if you're trying to start out in entrepreneurship, you need to start surrounding yourself with people that know. Accountants, attorneys, you need mentors. And if you're in a certain industry, like you used clothing, right, or, you know, in, insurance, whatever it may be, it doesn't matter whether it's a service or a product, start surrounding yourself by individuals that have done it. And two, you, like I, I came in and I surrounded myself with mentor things. Obviously I got started before Facebook and all this other stuff, but you had the great opportunity. You actually got on like forums. Yeah. And you started going with people that were doing what you were trying to do. Right. Cause I mean, I would say you're, you're one of my best mentors, but it, you've, you don't do, you haven't really done a lot of yeah. e-commerce, but the principles, like the overlaying principles, like are true in anything. And you taught me those, but then I, yeah, I needed to figure out how does, how does the online stuff work? So going on forums and just like, I mean, obviously there, you could just type in how to make money online and you can go down a rabbit hole on Google or on, on uh, YouTube. There's so many people teaching and I've never paid for a course. Like I never, I never paid for it because the information, if you dig deep enough and it's you're there. obsessed enough, you could find it. Yeah. There are some people that can put a course together that will save you like months, yeah. but for the most part, if you dig enough and you just keep doing stuff, you can figure it out. And yeah, going on online forums and then meeting up with these people in real life, I started to do that and then start to build these relationships with people who are actually building like multi-million dollar companies online. And then you can kind of see their process, what they're doing, and then just see their see exactly like the steps, I guess you could call it. There is no step. Like when I say steps, I mean like the... Because everyone thinks, oh, what's the steps to become yeah. rich? But that's, yeah. there's no steps. There's basically a mold. Like if you think of a brand, like let's think about Dollar Shave Club. When you look at the aspects of that business model, they have a website, they have a product, and like a fundamental level. Website, product, marketing, I'd assume customer service and a couple other aspects. While going on these forums, I was able to dissect, okay, here's all those things. How do I apply it to what I want to do? And then I kind of just dissected each aspect and started to put it together. And soon enough, I had a website with, with my own products that I'd made and imported. And all of this stuff I'd taught myself through online forums and just research. I love this so much. I think that there's, because it's just so important. I, if, I was, if I was starting out, I would tell you to find two different mentors. I'd say you need to find a mentor that's going to teach you what, you what you don't even know what to look for. That's the best way to say it. Like there, when I, when I got started, there was so much that I didn't know. I didn't know what to ask. I need somebody to literally say, you're dumb. This is how you need to do it. And this is what you need to do and what you're looking for. But there's another mentor too, that is really, really important. And that's a practitioner. Like, so I had, you have this overarching one that teaches like fundamental principles and, you know, here's what you need to know for application-based things like that. But then there's the practitioner one that's saying, this is how you do this, right? Like you got on the online forums, right? I had to meet with insurance companies. I had to meet with all these people that literally had to teach me trade. And if you're looking, saying, let's say, okay, now I understand I've got a, mar I've got a product and now I need to get good at marketing, right? Well, you need to go find individuals that are specifically good in those areas and help them tailor their knowledge to what you're doing on that practitioner basis and help you execute, right? And really yeah. that's what practitioners are there to do. They're help, helping you execute on 
whatever you're trying to do. And, and you need that. And that, that never goes away. That never goes away. Still today, on all my businesses, on everything, we have help on people how that help us execute our ideas. And too often, you know, pride gets in the way at the first or, well, no, it really is. It's just pride. You're like, I don't even know what to ask. So I'm not going to ask anything. Yeah. Well, that then there's no reason to even start. I mean, why don't you just go ask somebody, you know, find somebody that's successful that you know is successful and go meet with them and say, tell me what I don't know and how to get started. So how do you think somebody would go and like set that up? Because everyone's going to say, oh, yeah. yeah, I could do that. But like, how do I set that up? Okay. That, okay. Now, this is a great question because I had a mentor when I got started and it was in schooling. And I'd spend a lot of time and he'd direct me where to go and everything. And then later that my mentor, well, my, my father had always been a mentor to me, always and always was. But after I got out of school, I, ha- I had a mentor that wasn't family that helped direct me and helped me figure out where I wanted to go. And then from there, I went in, in my father, who was uh, is my real mentor, you know, helped me get through that. But I had to go ask. And I guess I'm a really annoying person because apparently I'm, I, I don't mind asking lots of people lots of questions. Yeah. I, I don't mind bugging people, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you kind of need to be that guy. You need to be able to say, I'm okay to look stupid. You, like... Yeah, fundamentally, you have to go to meetups and you have to surround yourself, right? And understand that you're not qualified. Yep. And that's okay. Like, that's why you're there asking. And I think successful people love to give back. I know I do. And uh, I think there's no one that doesn't like to help other people. And especially when it's something that they're passionate. And if you're successful in a certain area, you're passionate about. I think the best way to do it is go to meetups and start actually sticking your hand out, shaking hands, finding people that are specific to your interests. So they're there for certain purposes, right? Whether that's a convention, whether that's, you know, whatever that may be, you're understanding what it is you're trying to achieve. And then there's the people in there that can, and you go and you start asking them questions. But I think when you're looking for that relationship, you need to be able to be ready to sacrifice. Yeah. Because, what are some of the mistakes then? Just to chime in real quick. Yeah. No. You said sacrifice. Why a lot of people have the expectation that if you're going to go meet with a mentor to get started in entrepreneurship, what mistakes do you think people make when trying to do that? And what shouldn't they do? I guess I could use kind of you as an example. So when. Of we, things that had no wrong. <laughs> no, right. Come on now. <laughs> Let me tell you all the things you don't do. No. I had been asked, I'd had a few people that had asked me to mentor them, stuff like that. I'm like, sure. You know, what do you want to know? I was always open, things like that. Oh, they'd ask me a few stuff and then they'd like go away. And first thing you need to understand is if you're asking someone to mentor them, you're not asking them to babysit you. Yeah. They should have to do no work because that person, if they're successful, they're busy. They want to help, it's not their job to make you successful. And if you think the mentor is going to make you successful, you've already failed. Don't bug that person. And there will be nothing more irritating to somebody that comes and asks you to do something for them. Don't do that. And, you know, when a uh, perfect example is when we met up, you asked, you said, hey, I, I have some specific questions about investing, things like that. Like to go out to lunch. And I, sure, you know, I'm not going to say no. Happy to do it. 
we went and I identified things that I thought you really needed to work on. And I thought it was gone. And I asked you a bunch of things that maybe you hadn't thought about. And then I said, all right, see ya. Right. And to be honest, I probably didn't even think you would ever come back. But I, I think what made that work was you kept coming back and doing what was asked. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to go do anything. You weren't asking me to do something. You were saying, give me direction. I'll go do it. Yeah. You just give me direction. And then if I fail, I'll come back and I was happy to help, right? And anything else like that. But you, you, you can't go into that relationship expecting them to do it for you, right? Right. I never did and never was going to ever make you have a successful company and I'll never do that for anybody because that's doesn't that's not how it works. Yeah, it can't work that way. Can't work that way. You have to be humble, ready to give directions, and if the person tells you that your idea is stupid, you gotta say, Yeah, okay. Then what should I do? Yeah. Why is it stupid? And then go back and change it. If not, because that's what AJ told me. That's what I told him. <laughs> <laughs> so, and the more you're willing to do those things, I think the those people that are successful, they look at you and say, I know if I give you direction. So all of a sudden it became, I knew that I could tell you to do things that I'd never tell anybody else to do. And you would actually go do them. So then I started to really think tactfully about your situation. I put a lot of weight on what I said, which is what you want. You want that person yeah. to be thinking about your situation And if they were in your shoes, how to execute on those conditions, right? Mm -hmm. Well, if I know that that person is holding a lot of weight and they're going to actually make financial decisions, things like that, I'm going to think through that process a lot more. And if I don't think that they're going to do anything or whatnot, I don't even, why waste your breath? I'm busy. They're busy. And so all of a sudden you put me in a position though, to where I knew that I could sit down with you and we could sit down for a couple hours and review everything you would go and execute and then come back and report and ask for next steps. And so that made me involved in what you were doing. That made me very sensitive to the outcomes. And two, I was much more open to tell you things. I I guess you, not that you'd call them rich secrets, but just things that wealthy people know. But they're not going to spend time. There's no reason to tell people. Right? Right. You know, so you need to be very, very weary of the mentor's time. And don't ask for Anything. them to do something. I, I would say you need to be trying to give more than you're asking for. 100%. Right? Yeah. Well, Rock, you, you said, let me come work for you for free. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not going to have you work for me for free. And you just kept bugging me about it. So finally, we hired John, but we didn't make him work for free. We paid him. And so, <laughs> but, you know, that, that was how it started. And that's how I started too. I mean, when I got started, I was on sales commissions and my wife was supporting us. And I'm like, listen, if you'll just help me get the sell, I'll go do it. I'll go look like an idiot. I'll go walk in. I'll do sales. I'll go shake a bunch of people's hands, even though I don't know what I'm talking about. But if you could help me figure out how to do this or whatnot, do it. So we lived off my wife's income and she was a waitress at a Chinese restaurant. We made like, I don't even know, it was like 1200 bucks a month and we just thought we were rich. And I worked really hard in sales and I looked like an idiot all the time. I didn't really understand what I was talking about, but I knew that would come. I knew that would come, but I knew that I had to make the effort so the people that were successful in it would look at me and say, oh, hey, we should probably help this guy out, right? I mean, he keeps doing this. We better you know, help him out. And that results in, or that created good results because when I screwed up, they'd tell me why. Well, 
if I'm not willing to screw up, then they can't tell me what to fix. And I think that's part of getting started overall. I think too, you had an opportunity, you went and got on some forums, everything else like this, and this is more applicable to you. I was dealing more with the mentorship relationships because that's how I got information. There wasn't really an internet scene at that time. But for you, how would you say that you, someone getting started, how do they avoid the bad information? Because there's so much bad information. So many people that claim that they're successful and entrepreneurs that they're, they're just not. Yeah, I mean, I read I read The Millionaire Fastlane, that uh, book by MJ DeMarco, and he's got an online forum. Great, great book. It is a really good book. Great book. And he's got an online forum called The Fastlane Forum, and I started going on there and reading reading more and more, and you get to see there's actual people, like real-life real millionaires <laughs> on this forum, and they're happy to talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, what's working for them currently, what the problems are. And there's some case studies and, and a bunch of information and what's cool is it's pretty open. It's open to an extent. Obviously, people aren't going to give out all the secrets. And, and obviously, not only should they not, but you shouldn't even need them. You just need the inspiration and kind of the direction. And that's kind of what I used it for. And I would go on there and kind of interact with everybody and meet people. And they'd have meetups every now and then. And I'd go to them. And then you start to establish real-life relationships. And those real-life relationships, I mean, those are the people that I actually do business with like my marketing guys just t multiple people in different aspects of my accountant all of them they all uh, stem from different forums and it's a similar way of how i met you it's like i'll just show up and see how i can help people and it people are more open in a real environment so the forum is going to be more closed off it's going to obviously you can get information but it's not like meeting in people in person and getting to see yeah. that they're actually human, even though they go by this weird username online. Yeah. Actual human being, they have pets, they have significant other, and their goals are similar to yours, and they're like you. So, First of all, what, what you're really talking about, and what I think all good entrepreneurs do, they cultivate opportunities, whether that's getting mentors, whether it's going to meet up, you cultivate opportunities. And I was in sales, and that that was embedded in me. I had to cultivate opportunities to capitalize on in order to get paid. Yeah. There's nothing more entrepreneurial about that. And if you think about it too, though, there really is no substitute to meeting someone in per person and really having a conversation where they can talk to you in a way that is totally different than a communication online, especially where that may be public. Yeah. They're going to talk to you and share with you and there will be a better connection. That If you look at our Reno deal, so... We bought a bankrupt Super Kmart and turned that into a huge storage facility. That came out of a meetup that I went to. My buddy Reed, he was the one that came to me, and we were just at dinner talking about backcountry skiing, backpacking, right? About kids, yeah. wife, that kind of stuff. And what happened is we started talking about our philosophical view towards the business, right? And saying what we thought in the industry was wrong and what we thought was right and how to capitalize on opportunity stuff. And we came together as like-minded as our viewpoint of how, how this business and industry should be ran and played out, everything like that. And he had a unique set of skills and I had a unique set of skills. And he asked me to come on, right, and help him execute. And boom, right there, we have a $25 million opportunity. Yeah, That is a result of meeting people, right? And the the economy as a whole, capital, 
business. It's just people. This is all people. Right. We put value on everything. We make value. You need to be willing to get out. You need to be willing to shake hands. Brandon Turner, who I just think the world of, nicest guy in the world, and he invited me on to Bigger Pockets. And, you know, between you and Brandon, you know, um, Rock here is one of the major reasons that I started Cashflow to Freedom. He was bugging me to tell me it need to. And then Brandon Turner, I, I met him in Hawaii. It's not, I didn't. I'll tell the story about that. That's a crazy story. <laughs> it's a crazy story. So I'd gotten out of the hospital and it was, I think I was finally good enough to where we thought I could travel. And I needed help, and we brought my wheelchair, things like that. But we, we took the kids to Hawaii to take a break. We thought it'd, it'd be good after everything the family had been through after being paralyzed and everything. And we were out, and the kids were kind of going back, and uh, we'd been actually talking a lot about bigger pockets. And it was funny because you were like, you need to get on to bigger pockets and talk about investing. And I think there's a lot of opportunities that come from that and everything. And I'm like, okay, but. I don't know anybody there. I mean, it was just, yeah. you know, no. Anyway. So, anyways, we'd been, th- I'd been thinking about this, and uh, me and you had had a lot of discussions on that. And then I go to Hawaii. And I'm on a scooter because I can't walk, right? So I got this little red scooter thing I'm running around on the beach <laughs> with, and I'm sitting on the scooter, and this guy walks by, and I, he kind of walks by me, and I turn around, and I just yell at him. I'm like, "Hey!" He turns to look at me, and I'm like, "Do I know you? The guy just looks so familiar." Yeah. And he's like, "I don't know. Do you?" And he was with he was with another guy, and the guy's like looking at us. And he goes, "Do you listen to Bigger Pockets?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And he's like, "Oh, this is Brandon Turner for Bigger Pockets." <laughs> oh, no way, dude! So. On a beach, what are the odds that you run across this <laughs> on an guy island and you're on a wheelchair? You can't even walk. No, <laughs> uh, you just rolled past him. And so yeah, so we got started talking, right? And then that great opportunity came, and met him, and had lots of discussions. With that, created more opportunity, but. It is. It's willing to meet people and to talk people, talk to people, be open, right? Ask yeah. people questions. Well, I don't care if you're in Vegas, just turn to people, ask them, what do you do? Right? Or on a plane or wherever. What do you do? Yeah. Well, tell me more about that. You know, and I, I think that is probably the best way any entrepreneur can cultivate opportunity that they can take action on yeah. because most of the time if you don't know where to go and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to start start it in general it's a lack of opportunities but it's it's not that they're not there yeah it's a good point i keep thinking about this one guy because now i've got as i've gotten better at selling online and e-commerce and stuff like that marketing I, i'm able to kind of give more guidance and, and help people with their businesses and I was helping this one guy. He was going to launch his 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 apparel company. He was doing like functional like socks and athletic wear, and they were going to kickstart it. And I was and he was like asking for feedback from everybody. And I had known him for a couple of years, and he was asking for feedback. And so obviously, like yeah, as you're hanging out with these guys, like it's late at night. We're just hanging out, drinking, hanging out. Like he keeps talking about his idea. I'm like, dude, don't do the Kickstarter. And you're you're not going to make money. And he was going. And I, I kind of laid it out because when you think about like at least with e-commerce i can kind of look at somebody's business model and i understand it like it's once you kind of see it see most of them you can understand how they make money and with the way he was doing it i could see that there was no way to continue scaling his business and making money he the kickstarter might work but you're not going to continue making money like you might have a bunch of hype and then just dies and most kickstarter projects are like that yeah Uh, kickstarter i i would argue I don't have stats on this, but I would argue is not that good for businesses. It depends on the type of business and the, what type of product. But I would say that most businesses kind of die after Kickstarter. 
I'd, I'd agree with that. And and the problem is that, like, this guy, they didn't have a model to jump into and use the momentum. And I told him that, and I laid it out for him, and he, he was listening to me, and I, I, I was like, go grab your computer, and I built him this whole site, laid out how he needs to run his business. And I did, the, my problem that I did is I did the work for him, and I was like, if you do this, I promise you, you'll make money. I told him. And I told him who to use for marketing because he was, he was just like 20 feet from us talking to somebody else. I was like, go talk to him about your marketing. Talk to this guy about your accounting. And I laid it out. I was like, here's exactly what you need to do. And because I had already done that groundwork for five years, figuring out all the stuff that doesn't work. And at least to my extent, to the yeah. extent that I've gotten to. And... He was like, oh, this is awesome. And he had a partner and they were, they had paid a Kickstarter firm, which I, oh. I put quotation marks because don't pay a Kickstarter firm. That, that no. is, that is give them your money yeah. and they'll take your money for you. And it was, he had already pulled the trigger on it. So he, te- so, so I, I, I leave it at that. I built him the website, did, I was, just did it for free. It was, it was fun. It's fun to me. And it was cool to just see like, oh, I could do this pretty quick now. Like, cause thinking back, it would take me it, that what I did for him in that hour and a half, two hours sitting there would have taken me a month or two when I first started just because I don't know what to use. I'm doing all this research, don't know who to talk to. So I laid it out for him. Done. I was like, all you need to do is press, as soon as you get your product, you start running ads and you're, you're making money. And I didn't hear from him for like two months, two or three months. We, this is back in February. It's June now. I bet you, I didn't hear from him for like two months. I'm going to see if I can pull the text up. Or no, he called me. He called me. Yeah, I was just checking my phone to see if he had texted me. He called me, and he, the first thing he says is, you were right. <laughs> He's like, you were right. The Kickstarter didn't work. We lost our money there. We sh- we're actually switching to exactly what you told us, and now they're, they're starting to try and kick, kickstart it back up. No pun intended. <laughs> but they're trying to get it going. And I think the moral of that story is when somebody's telling you to do something, don't, like, don't just listen. Like, don't go to someone for their advice get their advice and then not use it or at least yeah. not take it into consideration and, and actually test it. I would always test anything you told me. Yeah. I'd either go do it or I'd test it. Yeah. If it didn't work in my context, I'd figure out like, wh- like why, Hey, why are you telling me that? A lot of people I think tend to say, that's great. My idea is better. I can't tell you how much that happens. And, and if you're dealing with people like that, like you're really nice to you too. Most of the time, that's an immediate shutdown. Yeah, and I shouldn't have built it for him. I should have made him build it and told him because yeah. then you value it. Yeah. But I think it was in the moment and I was just like, let's see what happens because everyone's just kind of. Well, and I think that comes back down to this like pride that comes along in this entrepreneurship or something where it's like, no, this is my idea. And they, rom- they again, they oh, just he was romanticize Very about romantic this. about it. And and you can't do that. You cannot do that because you have to remember they care about the product, the service. Nobody cares about you. Yep. They don't. Nobody cares. Dude, nobody cares that you're successful. Yep. Nobody. You're the only one that cares about your goals and your success. You make it about that and not about them. You will fail. You know, I see this in real estate. You know, how many people do we see building storage facilities and markets that are completely overbuilt? Everything else like that, and they're just like all romantic about it. They I'm haven't an done. Investor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm an investor. I'm I'm a real estate investor. Everything like that, and then they fell, and then instead of saying that they screwed up, they say, "Oh, that was a bad investment." Yeah. And it was like, "No, you should have never 
done that investment. (laughs) You should have never been in that place to begin with. And if you would have asked people, like if you would have come to the meetups, things like that, you wouldn't have known that. Now, most of them do. They just don't listen, right? And that's just, that's a recipe for disaster. It is. Because it... I, back to the analogy, like perfect example with that kid, you were in the fog way in front of him saying, hey, dude, come this way. And don't, by the way, don't go to the right because there's a cliff there and you're going to fall off. Right. Yep. Great. I'm going to head over to the right and see what's over there and then I'll come to you. And then they. they exactly. Off, and, and, and the thing when you're starting out and everyone here, I mean, I assume most people listening to this are trying to start out. You don't have a lot of money. Like yep. you maybe save 10 grand to start your idea. Maybe. Like that's a lot of money, especially because you have to cover your expenses. You have to make it. You have to if you have kids, you have to pay for your kids and all that stuff. So if you have ten grand to save, spend on your idea, and I was super cautious about that starting out, and I still am. It's like, mm-hmm. well, wait a second. I only have ten thousand dollars, and once that money's out, then I have to go back to work. And I'm not saying again. not not back to work. I have to re-kickstart my savings while yeah. I'm still working. Yeah. Because you don't leave your job. I yeah. would never leave my job. No, with never. 10 grand. But most people. If you do that, you have ten grand. You start your idea. Like I think he he had a little bit more than ten grand, but you spend ten on the Kickstarter, and plus okay five on product, and a thousand on operating. Yeah. So you already spent more than half your money, and it didn't work. So now you got to go back with ha- ha- less than half your money, and try to make the ads work. And ads take a while to figure out if you haven't figured that out yet. Facebook and Google are constantly changing, so you need as much money as you can to start that you're comfortable with losing. So I, I don't want to let this die. What you're talking about right now, we, we need to really hit on this. Cause I think this is very important because this comes to the next, the next, I guess, really, once you have this idea, maybe you surrounded yourself with people, everything like that, then it comes into capital. And once again, this idea that they romanticize it, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to start a company. I'm going to be successful. I'm going to pour my life savings into it. I think every one of those, I think things we should make that in the next podcast. Wrong. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I yeah. think, but I think we should explain why it's wrong and how to actually go about it, like create a game plan for it. That's that's a great idea. Because we're, we're, we're probably closing yeah. an hour here. That's a great idea. And that is a big, important subject. We're going to hold that one off till for the next podcast. Yeah, and that'll be next. number two in the entrepreneurship podcast. Yeah. So I think with that, we actually, you're right. We're about an hour into this and we can't get started on that. So we're gonna, we'll hold that one off. And then the next entrepreneurship podcast it will be about funding capitalizing and how to execute how to set your life up to get it going yeah exactly all right thanks everybody i hope this was helpful for anybody that's looking at getting started or trying to start and then once you do have that idea or you're ready to go the next podcast will be a really good one on deciding how to fund it and how to take those first steps thanks everybody Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Cashflow to Freedom. Be sure to subscribe to us for more and feel free to check us out at Cashflow with the number 2freedom.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook. And also, if you could leave us a good review, that would really help us continue to build out our content and our community. Thank you so much.